Dear sisters and brothers in Christ, grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus the Christ. So here we are in this gospel reading. This particular section of St. John uh, tells a, a different part of the story of Jesus' life. The other three gospel writers don't have this material or don't share it in their telling of the story of Jesus Christ. But it's an extended time period in Jerusalem. It is not at the end. It's not a part of the passion narrative. But Jesus is clearly spending time in Jerusalem. And there's a fair amount of conflict around it. Almost every time he teaches, there's someone there to announce that, uh, well, they're going to kill him. And I will tell you that I've had bad sermons, but to date, no one's tried to kill me that I'm aware of afterward. There might have been a couple of times I went too long, but, you know, it's not been that bad. And so here Jesus is. He's up in the Temple Mount. He's in the eastern side in what's known as the Solomon Portico. It's where kings made pronouncements. When the king would come to announce something publicly, it was done from this spot. So here's Jesus doing some teaching, and here comes the antagonists, and they come to see him and to argue with him. They've been here before. They've had this actual conversation before in the Gospel of John. And they, they, they translate it pretty nicely. How long are you going to keep us waiting? How long are you going to make us wait, is how it's translated normally. I've got an acquaintance, Brian Stoffergan. He's a pastor on the West Coast. He knows more about Greek than I do by a bunch. And I was reading his material this last week. And Pastor Brian would argue that the translators are being way too nice. Because in the Greek, what they're actually saying you're irritating us to no end. Would you just stop it? Just stop it. There's overt conflict in the way the question comes to him. And he responds pretty much the same way. I have told you, Jesus says, I've told you that I'm the Messiah and you didn't believe me. You have seen the things that I have done that only I could do if I was the Messiah, the Son of God, and you don't believe that. And the reason that you don't believe is because you don't hear my voice. Wow. So the church throughout its history has taken these verses and some others like them and has gone off into a great debate. And it's centered around two phrases double predestination or single predestination. Who's going to be saved? Who's going to be condemned? So there's one part of the church that has spent an argument that God in God's great wisdom at the beginning of time before any part of creation happened, that God decided who would be saved and who would be condemned. And that's how the world is getting played out. So that the reason that these Jews in this particular case don't believe in Jesus as the Messiah is because that's what God decided at the beginning. And then there's another part of the church that has argued for single predestination, that only those who are saved has been predetermined. 
And as far as the rest, well, we just don't know. But there's clearly a select group. But when I read this text, and as I listen to that debate, which has been hot, it was a hot topic when my dad was at seminary at Luther in the 50s. It was still being argued over when I got there in the late 70s. If you go to any seminary today and poke around on the edges, you can find the argument. I think we're asking the wrong question. I just think we're asking the wrong question. What does it mean to hear the shepherd's voice? What is Jesus saying? What does it mean to be able to be called out to hear the shepherd's voice? Since this is Mother's Day, how many of you grew up with an alarm clock that yelled in the morning, David, time to wake up? I grew up in an era when you knew it was supper time because your mother went to the front steps and yelled very loudly, right? How many grew up with that mother? And if you were late to supper, sorry, you're not going to get to eat. Now, we knew mom's voice. You knew it wasn't the neighbor's mom's voice. It was your mother's voice. I grew up with farmers. I watched them call their livestock. But I never really understood what it really meant until my first trip to Israel. And we were on the bus, we were going from Bethlehem down to Jericho. We had just passed the Good Samaritan Inn, and I'm not kidding. And we came around the corner, and here in this, if you grew up in North Dakota, it was called a coulee. If you grow up in South Dakota, it's called a draw. But in the Middle East, it's called a wadi. Here's this giant wadi, and here's a very large Bedouin encampment. And the Bedouins are people that don't recognize borders because they've lived in a universe where there just aren't any, except where their sheep and their goats and their livestock need to go. So here's this very large encampment, and here in the wadi is a gate with a wall at the bottom of it. And inside that wadi, inside that encloser, enclosement, is probably 10,000 animals, sheep and goats, a few donkeys, but it's filled to the brim. And here goes a group of young boys out from the tents and they make their way to the gate. And clearly the oldest boy of the group opens the gate, steps in, and he begins to sing. And we're close enough, we're just close enough that we can hear him singing. And out of all of these animals that are encamped there, they begin to move, some begin to move, not all of them. And out of those 10,000 animals come about 250, 300 sheep. And when the lead goat makes it to the gate, he turns and begins to walk and she follows him and the rest of the animals as he continues to sing, follow. Now the second boy goes to the gate and he begins to sing. And again, out of all the animals that are there, his animals begin to maneuver out. And he leads his flock out. And I remember getting on the bus and here's our Israeli retired tank driver, who's our bus driver. And he looks me in the face and he said, you'll never preach about that the same, will you? Now you know what it means 
for the shepherd to speak. When we ask the wrong questions, we get the wrong answers. I don't much care about predestination, double or single, because we have a shepherd who speaks to us. And we hear his voice and there's an invitation into life, into the forgiveness of sins, into new beginnings that doesn't just come once, it comes to us every day. We get greeted by the shepherd's voice welcoming us into this new day, saying, you are mine and no matter what, nothing can snatch you from my hand. I will look after you through your whole life and into the next, I will never, never let you go. The good news for you and I is that we hear the shepherd's voice even when we get it wrong, even when we make mistakes, because it's not just a one and done, it's an everyday event. That here comes this gift of mercy, of forgiveness for what we got wrong yesterday, an invitation into a new day, into a new beginning, into a new life. And then there comes that invitation to each one of us, young and old, rich or poor, to share that gift, that gift of life with those around us. With our spouse, if we have one, with our children, if we have those, with our neighbors, with those that we work with, those that we gather with. To share the shepherd's voice with them on this fourth Sunday of Easter. I hope you heard the shepherd's voice this morning. I hope you hear it this evening. I hope it, that you hear it all day long today and throughout this coming week. The shepherd speaks to each one of us, offering us life and life anew. So God's blessings on you as you are the people of God, as you follow the great shepherd. Amen.